Hello everyone and welcome to my podcast. Now we are going to start with a chapter 9 of Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, book 2 of Harry Potter and the chapter name is The Writing on the Wall. What's going on here? What's going on? Attracted no doubt by Malfoy's shout, Argus Flinch came shouldering his way through the crowd. Then He saw Mrs. Norris and fell back, clutching his face in horror. "My cat, my cat, what's happened to Mrs. Norris?" he shrieked, and his popping eyes fell on Harry. "You!" he screeched. "You, you've murdered my cat. You've killed her. I'll kill you. I'll Argus." Dumbledore had arrived on the scene, followed by a number of other teachers. In seconds, he had swept past Harry, Ron, and Hermione, and ditched, detached Mrs. Norris from the torch bracket. Come with me, Argus," he said to Filch. "You too, Mr. Potter, Mr. Weasley, Miss Granger." Lockhart stepped forward eagerly. "My office is nearest, Headmaster. Just upstairs. Please feel free." "Thank you, Gilderoy," said Dumbledore. The silent crowd parted to let them pass. Lockhart, looking excited and important, hurried after Dumbledore. So did Professor McGonagall and Snape. As they entered Lockhart's darkened office, there was a flurry of movement across the walls. Harry saw several of the Lockhart's in pictures dodging out of sight, their hair in rollers. The real Lockhart lit the candles on the desk. and stood back dumbledore laid mrs norris on the polished surface and began to examine her harry ron and hermione exchanged tense looks and sank into chairs outside the pool of candlelight watching the tip of dumbledore's long crooked nose was barely an inch from mrs norris fur he was looking at her closely through his half moon spectacles his long fingers gently prodding and poking professor mcgonagall was bent almost as close her eyes narrowed snape loomed behind them half in shadow wearing a small peculiar expression it was as though he was trying hard not to smile and lockhart was hovering around all of them making suggestions it was definitely a curse that killed her probably the transfiguration torture I've seen it used many times so unlucky I wasn't there I know the very countercurse that would have saved her Lockhart's comments were punctuated by Phil's dry racking sobs He was slumped in a chair by the desk unable to look at Mrs Norris his face in his hands much as he dis- detested Filch Harry couldn't help feeling a bit sorry for him though not nearly as sorry as he felt for himself if dumbledore believed filch he would be expelled for sure dumbledore was now muttering strange words under his breath and tapping mrs norris with his wand but nothing happened she continued to look as though she had been recently stuffed i remember something very similar happening in wagadugu said lockhart a series of attacks the full stories in my autobiography autobiography i was able to provide the town's folk folk with various amulets which 
which cleared the matter up at once. The photographs of Lockhart on the walls were all nodding in agreement as he talked. One of them had forgotten to remove his hairnet. At last, Dumbledore straightened up. She's not dead, Argus, he said softly. Lockhart stopped abruptly in the middle of counting the number of murders he had prevented. Not dead, choked Filch, looking through his fingers at Mrs. Norris. But why is she all, all stiff and frozen? She has been petrified, said Dumbledore. Ah, I thought so, said Lockhart, but how I cannot say. Ask him, shrieked Felt, turning his bloached and teensane face to Harry. No second year could have done this, said Dumbledore firmly. I would take dark magic of most advanced. He did it, he did it, Felt spat his pouchy face purpling you saw what he wrote on the wall he found in my office he knows i'm a i'm a phil's face worked horribly he knows i'm a squib he finished i never touched mrs norris harry said loudly uncomfortably aware of everyone looking at him including all the lock hearts on the walls and i don't even know what a squib is rubbish snarled Felt. He saw my quick spell letter. If I might speak, headmaster, said Snape from the shadows, and Harry's sense of foreboding increased. He was sure nothing Snape had to say was going to do him good. Potter and his friends may have simply been in the wrong place at the wrong time, he said, a slight sneer curling his mouth as though he doubted it. But we do have a set of suspicious circumstances here. Why were they upstairs? Why were they in the upstairs corridor at all? Why weren't they at the Halloween feast? Harry, Ron, and Hermione all launched into an explanation about the Death Day party. There were hundreds, of course. They'll tell you we were there. But why not join the feast afterwards? Said Snape, his black eyes glittering in the candlelight. Why go up at the corridor? Ron and Hermione looked at Harry because, because Harry said his heart thumping very fast. Something told him it would sound very far-fetched if he told them he had been led there by a bodiless voice no one but he could hear. Because we were tired and wanted to go to bed, he said, without any supper, said Snape, a triumphant smile flickering across his gaunt face. I think... Ghosts, I didn't think ghosts provided food fit for living people at their parties. We weren't hungry, said Ron loudly as his stomach gave a huge rumble. Snape's nasty smile widened. I suggested Master that Potter is not being entirely truthful, he said. It might be a good idea if he were deprived of certain privileges until he's ready to tell us the whole story. I personally feel... He should be taken off the Gryffindor Quidditch team until he's ready to be honest. Really, Severus, said Professor McGonagall sharply, I see no reason to stop the boy playing Quidditch. This cat wasn't hit over the head with a broomstick. There is no evidence at all that Potter has done anything wrong. Dumbledore was giving Harry a searching look. His twinkling light blue gaze made Harry feel as though he was being x-rayed. 
innocent until proven guilty, Severus, he said firmly, Snape looking furious, so did Filch. My cat has been petrified, he shrieked, his eyes popping. I want to see some punishment. We will be able to cure her, Argus, said Dumbledore patiently. Professor Sprout recently managed to procure some mandrakes. As soon as they have reached their full size, I will have a potion made which will receive revive Mrs. Norris. I will make it, Lockhart butted in. I must have done it hundreds of times. I could whip a mandrake restorative draught in my sleep. Excuse me, said Snape icily, but I believe I'm the potions master at the school. This was a very awkward pause. You may go, Dumbledore said to Harry, Ron and Hermione. They went as quickly as they could without actually running. When they were a floor up from Lockhart's office, they turned into an empty classroom and closed the door quietly behind them. Harry squinted at his friends, darkened faces. Do you think I should have told them about the voice I heard? No, said Ron without hesitation. Hearing voices no one else can hear isn't a good sign even in the wizarding world. Something is in Ron's voice made Harry ask, You do believe me, don't you? Of course I do, said Ron quite quickly. But you must admit it's weird. I know it's weird, said Harry. The whole thing's weird. What was that writing on the wall about? The chamber has been open. What's supposed to mean? You know, it rings a sort of bell, said Ron slowly. I think someone told me a story about a secret chamber at Hogwarts once. Must have been Bill. And what on earth is a squib, said Harry. To his surprise, Ron stifled a snigger. Well, it's not funny, really, but as it's filled, he said, a squib is someone who was born into a bizarre family but hasn't got any magical powers. Kind of the opposite of muggle-born wizards, but squibs are quite unusual. If Phil's trying to learn magic from a quick spell coat, course, I reckon he must be a squib. It would explain a lot, like why he takes students so much. Ron gave a satisfied smile. He's bitter. A clock chimes somewhere. Midnight, said Harry. We'd better get to bed before Snape comes along and tries to frame us. For anything else, for a few days the school could talk off a little bit, but the attack of Mrs. Norris Filch kept it fresh in everyone's minds by pacing the spot where she had been attacked. As though he thought the attacker might come back, Harry had seen him scrubbing the message on the wall with Mrs. Scover's all-purpose magical mess remover, but to no effect, the words still gleamed as brightly as ever on the stone. When Filch wasn't guarding the scene of the crime, he was skulking, red-eyed through the corridors, lunging out at unsuspecting students and trying to put them in detention for things like breathing loudly and looking happy. Ginny seemed very disturbed by Mrs. Norris' fate. According to Ron, she was a great cat lover. But you hadn't really got to know Mrs. Norris, Ron told her brackney. Honestly, we much better off without her. Janice's lip trembled. Stuff like this does not happen, often happen at Hogwarts, Ron assured her. They'll catch the nutter who did it and have him out of here in no time. I just hope he's got time to petrify Filch before he's expelled. I'm only joking. 
Ron added hastily as Ginny blanched. The attack had also had an effect on Hermione. It was quite usual for Hermione to spend a lot of time reading, but she was now doing almost nothing else. Nor could Harry and Ron get much response from her when they asked what she was up to, and not until the following Wednesday did they find out. Harry had been held back in potions where Snape had made him stay behind to scrape two worms off the desks. After a hurried lunch, he went upstairs to meet Ron in the library and saw Justin Finch Felchy, the Hufflepuff boy from Herbology, coming towards him. Harry had just opened his mouth to say hello when Justin caught sight of him, turned abruptly and sped off in the opposite direction. Harry found Ron at the back of the library, measuring his ma- history of magic homework. Professor Brins has had asked him asked for a three-foot-long composition on the medieval assembly of European wizards. I don't believe it. I'm still eight inches short, said Ron furiously, letting go of his parchment, which sprang back into a roll, and Hermione's done four feet seven inches and her writing's tiny. Where is she? asked Harry, grabbing the tape measure and unrolling his own homework. Somewhere over there, said Ron, pointing along the shelves, looking for another book. I think she's trying to read the whole library before Christmas. Harry told Ron about Justin Finch, Fletchy, running away from him. Do you know why you care? I thought he was a bit of an idiot, said Ron, scribbling away, making his writing as large as possible. All that rubbish about Lockhart being so great, Hermione emerged from between the bookshelves. She looked irritable and at last seemed, to re- seemed ready to talk to them. All the copies of Hogwarts a history have been taken out, she said, sitting down next to Harry and Ron, and there's a two-week waiting list. I wish I hadn't left my copy at home, but I couldn't fit it in my trunk with all the Lockhart books. Why, did you, why do you want it? said Harry. The same reason everyone else wants it, said Hermione, to read up on the legend of the Chamber of Secrets. What's that? said Harry quickly. That's just it. I can't remember, said Hermione, biting her lip, and I can't find the story anywhere else. Hermione, let me read your composition, said Ron, desperately checking his watch. No, I won't, said Hermione, suddenly severe. You've had ten days to finish it. I only need another two inches. Go on. The bell rang. Ron and Hermione led the way to History of Magic bickering. History of Magic was the dullest subject on their timetable. Professor Binge, who taught it, was their only ghost teacher, and the most exciting thing that ever happened in his classes was his entering the room through the blackbone, ancient and shriveled, many people said he hadn't noticed he was dead. He had simply got up to teach one day and left his body behind him in an armchair in front of the staff room fire. His routine had not varied in the slightest since. Today was as boring as ever. Professor Binns opened his notes and began to read in a flat drone like an old vacuum cleaner until nearly everyone in the class was in a deeper stupor. 
occasionally coming around coming round long enough to copy down a name or date then falling asleep again he had been speaking for half an hour even when something happened that had never happened before hermione put up her hand professor bins glancing up in the middle of a deadly dull lecture on the international valor convention of 1289 looked amazed Miss uh, Granger, Professor, I was wondering if you could tell us anything about the Chamber of Secrets, said Hermione in a clear voice. Dean Thomas, who had been sitting with his mouth hanging open, gazing out of the window, jerked out of his trance. Lavender Brown's head came up of his arms and Neville's elbows flipped off his desk. Professor Benz blinked. My subject is history of magic, he said in his dry, wheezy voice. I deal with facts, Miss Granger, not myths and legends. He cleared his throat with a small noise, like chalk snapping and continued in September of that year, year a subcommittee of Sardinian sorcerers. He stuttered to a halt. Hermione's hand was waving in the air again. Miss Grant. Please, sir, don't legends always have a basis in fact? Professor Binns was looking at her in such amazement. Harry was sure no student had ever interrupted him before, alive or dead. Well, said Professor Binns slowly, yes, one could agree that, I suppose, he peered at Hermione as though he had never seen a student properly, properly before. However, the legend of which you speak is such a very sensational, even ludicrous tale. But the whole class was now hanging on Professor Ben's every word. He looked dimly at them all, every face turned to his. Harry could tell he was completely thrown by such an unusual show of interest. Oh, very well, he said slowly. Let me see the Chamber of Secrets. You all know, of course, that Hogwarts was founded over a thousand years ago. The precise date is uncertain by the four greatest witches and wizards of the age. The four schoolhouses are named after them. Godric Gryffindor, Helga Hufflepuff, Ravenna, Ravenclaw, and Sarazar Slytherin. They built this castle together. Far from prying muggles or muggle eyes for it was an age when magic was feared by common, by common people and witches and wizards suffered much persecution. He paused, gazed blearily around the room and continued. For a few years, the founders worked in harmony together, seeking out youngsters who showed signs of magic and bringing them to the castle to be educated. But then disagreements sprang up between them. A rift began to grow between Slytherin and the others. Slytherin wished to be more selective about the students admitted to Hogwarts. He believed that magical learning should be kept within all magic families. He disliked taking students of muggle parentage, believing them to be untrustworthy. After a while, there was a serious argument on the subject between Slytherin and Gryffindor, and Slytherin left the school. Professor Binns paused again pursing his lips, looking like a wrinkled old tortoise. Reliable historical sources tell us this much, 
he said, but these honest facts have been obscured, obscured by the fan, fanciful legend of the Chamber of the Secrets. The story goes that Slytherin had built a hidden chamber in the castle, of which the other founders knew nothing. Slytherin, according to the legend, sealed the Chamber of Secrets so that none would be able to open it until his own true heir arrived at the school. The heir alone would be able to unseal the Chamber of Secrets, unleash the horror within, and use it to purge the school of all who were unworthy to study magic. There was silence as he finished telling the story, but it wasn't the usual sleepy silence that filled Professor Bin's classes. There was unease in the air as everyone continued to watch him, hoping for more. Professor Bin's looked faintly annoyed. The whole thing is arrant nonsense, of course, he said. Naturally, the school had been, has been searched for evidence of, of such a chamber many times by the most learned witches and wizards. It does not exist, a tale told to frighten the gullible. Hermione's hand was back in the air. Sir, what exactly do you mean by the horror within the chamber that is believed to come to be some sort of monster which the heir of Slytherin alone can control, said Professor Binns in his dry, reedy voice. The class exchanged nervous looks. I tell you, the thing does not exist, said Professor Binns, shuffling his notes. There is no chamber and no monster. But, sir, said Seamus Finnegan, if the chamber can only be opened by Slytherin's true hair, no one else would be able to find it, would they? Nonsense, oh, Flaherty, said Professor Benz in an aggravated tone. If a long succession of Hogwarts headmasters and headmistress haven't found the thing, but Professor piped up poverty puzzle. You'd probably have to use dark magic to open it. Just because a wizard doesn't use dark magic doesn't mean he can't. Miss Benny Feather snapped Professor Benz. I repeat, if the likes of Dumbledore. But maybe you've got to be related to Slytherin. So Dumbledore couldn't begin Dean Thomas, but Professor Benz had had enough. That will do, he said sharply. It is a myth. It does not exist. There is not a shred of evidence that Slytherin ever built so much as a secret bloom cupboard. I regret telling you such a foolish story. We will return, if you please, to history, to solid, believable, verifiable fact. And within five minutes, the class had sunk back into its usual topper. I always knew Salazar Slytherin was a twisted old loony, Ron told Harry and Hermione as they fought their way through the teeming corridors at the end of the lesson to drop off their bags before dinner. But I never knew he started all this pure blood stuff. I wouldn't be, a be in his house if you paid me. Honestly, if the sorting hat had tried to put me in Slytherin, I'd got the train straight back home. Hermione nodded fervently, but Harry didn't say anything. His stomachs had just dropped unpleasantly. Harry had never told Ron and Hermione that the sorting hat had seriously considered putting him in Slytherin. 
he could remember as though it was yesterday the small voice that had spoken in his ear when he placed the hat on his head a year before you could be great you know it's all hair in your head and slytherin would help you on your way to greatness no doubt about that but harry who had already heard of slytherin house reputation for turning out dark wizards had thought desperately not slytherin and the hat said oh well if you're sure better be gryffindor as they were shunted along in the strong colin creevy went past here hagrid hello colin said harry automatically harry harry a boy in my class has been saying you're but colin was so small he couldn't fight against the tide of people bearing him towards the great hall they were heard they heard him squeak see you harry and he was gone what's a boy in the class saying about you hermione wondered that i'm slytherin air here i expect said harry his stomach dropping another inch or so as he suddenly remembered the way justin finch fledgy had run away from him at lunch time people were here will believe anything said ron in disgust the crowd thinned and they were able to climb the next staircase without difficulty do you really think there's a chamber of secrets ron asked hermione i don't know she said frowning dumbledore couldn't cure mrs norris and that makes me think that whatever attacked her might not be well human as she spoke they turned a corner and found themselves at the end of the very corridor where the attack had happened they stopped and looked the scene was just as it had been that night except that there was no stiff cat hanging from the torch bracket and an empty chair stood against the wall bearing the message the chamber had been opened has been opened that's where filch had been keep has been keeping guard ron muttered they looked at each other the corridor was deserted can't hurt to have a poke around said harry dropping his bag and getting to his hands and knees so that he could crawl along searching for clues scorch marks he said hair and hair come on and look at this said hermione this is funny harry got up and crossed to the window next to the message on the wall hermione was pointing at the topmost pane where around 20 spiders were scuttling apparently fighting to get through a small crack in the glass a long silvery thread was dangling like a rope as though they had all climbed it in their hurry to get outside have you ever seen spiders act like that said hermione wonderingly no said harry have you ron ron he looked over his shoulder ron was standing well back and seemed to be fighting the impulse to run what's up said harry i don't like spiders said ron tensely i never knew that said hermione looking at ron in surprise you've used spiders and potions loads of times i don't mind them dead said ron who was carefully looking everywhere anywhere but at the window i just don't like the way they move hermione giggled it's not funny said ron fiercely if you must know when i was three fred turned my my teddy bear into a dirty great spider because i broke his toy broomstick you wouldn't like them either if you'd been holding you your bear and suddenly it had too many legs and he broke off shuddering 
Hermione was obviously still trying not to laugh, feeling the way they had better get off the subject. Harry said, remember all that water on the floor? Where did they come from? Someone's mopped it up. It was about here, said Ron, recovering himself to walk a few paces past Phil's chair and pointing level with his door. With his door. He reached for the brass door knob, but suddenly withdrew his hand as though he'd been burned. What's the matter, said Harry. Can't go in there, said Ron gruffly. That's a girl's toilet. Oh, Ron, there won't be anyone in there, said Hermione, standing up and coming over. That's morning Michael's place. Come on, let's have a look. And ignoring the large out-of-order sign, she opened the door. It was the gloomiest, most depressing bathroom Harry had ever set foot in. Under a large, cracked and spotted mirror were a row of chipped stone sinks. The floor was damp and reflected the dull light given off by the stubs of a few candles burning low in their holders. The wooden doors to the cubicles were flagging and scratched and one of them was dangling off its hinges. Hermione put her fingers to her lips and sat off towards the end cubicle. When she reached, it said, Hello, Michael, how are you? Harry and Ron went to look. Moaning Michael was floating on the stain to the toilet, picking a spot on her chin. This is a girl's bathroom, she said, eyeing Ron and Harry suspiciously. They're not girls. No, Hermione agreed. I just wanted to show them how uh, nice it is in here. She waved vaguely at the dirty old mirror and the damp floor. Ask her if she saw anything, Harry mouthed at Hermione. What are you whispering, said Michael. Staring at him, nothing, said Harry quickly. You wanted to ask, I wish people would stop talking behind my back, said Michael in a voice choked with tears. I do have feelings, you know, even if I'm dead. Michael, no one wants to upset you, said Hermione. Harry only, no one wants to upset me. That's a good one, holds Michael. My life was nothing but misery at this place, and now people come along ruining my death. He wanted to ask you if you'd seen anything funny lately, said Hermione quickly, because a cat was attacked right outside your front door on Halloween. Did you see anyone near here that night, said Harry. I wasn't paying attention, said Michael dramatically. Peeves upset me so much I came in here and tried to kill myself. Then of course I remembered that I'm that I'm already dead, said Ron helpfully. Michael gave a tragic sob, rose up in the air, turning over, and dived headfirst into the toilet, splashing water all over them and vanishing from sight from the direction of her muffled sobs. She had come to rest somewhere in the U-bend. Harry and Ron stood with their mouths open, but Hermione shuddered wearily and said, Honestly, that was almost cheerful for Michael. Come on, let's go. Harry had barely closed the door on Michael's struggling sobs when a loud voice made all three of them jump. Ron! Percy Weasley had stopped dead at the head of the stairs, perfect badge, a gleam, an expression of complete shock on his face. That's a girl's bathroom, he gasped. 
What were you? Just having a look around, Ron shrugged. Clues, you know? Percy swelled in a manner that reminded Harry forcefully of Mrs. Weasley. Get away from there, he said, striding towards them and staring to Chivy. Them along, flapping his arms. Don't you care what this looks like? Coming back here while everyone's at dinner. Why shouldn't we be here? said Ron hotly, chopping short and glaring at Percy. Listen, we never laid a finger on that car. That's what I told Jenny and Percy, said Percy fiercely. But she still seems to think you're going to be expelled. I've never seen her so upset, crying her eyes out. You might think of her. All the first years are thoroughly, thoroughly overexcited by this business. You don't care about Jenny, said Ron, whose ears were redding, reddening now. You're just worried I'm going to mess up your chances of being head boy. Five points from Gryffindor, Percy said tersely, fingering his, his perfect badge. And I hope if teachers... If it teaches you a lesson, no more detective work or I'll write to mum. And he strode off the back of his neck as red as Ron's ears. Harry, Ron and Hermione chose seats as far as possible from Percy in the common room that night. Ron was still in a very bad temper and kept blotting his charm's homework when he reached absently from his wand to remove the smudges, it ignited the parchment, fuming almost as much as his homework Ron slammed. The standard book of spells grade two shut. The two Harrys, to her Harry's surprise, Hermione followed suit. Who can it be, though, she said in a quiet voice, as though continuing a conversation they had just been having. Who'd want all the squibs and muggles, muggle bones, out of Hogwarts? Let's think, said Ron, in mock puzzlement. Who do we know who thinks muggle bones are scum? He looked at Hermione. Hermione looked back, unconvinced. If you're talking about Malfoy, of course I am, said Ron. You heard him. You'll be next, mudbloods. Come on, you've only got to look at his foul rat face to know it's him. Malfoy, the heir of Slytherin, said Hermione, skeptically. Look at his family, said Harry, closing his books too. The whole lot of them have been in Slytherin. He's always boasting about it. They could easily be Slytherin's descendants. His father's definitely evil though enough. They couldn't could have had the key to the Chamber of Secrets for centuries, said Ron, handing it down father to son. Well, said Hermione cautiously, I suppose it's possible, but how do we prove it? said Harry darkly. There might be a way, said Hermione, slowly dropping her voice still further with a quick glance across the room at Percy. Of course, it would be difficult and dangerous, very dangerous. We'd be breaking about fifty school rules, I expect. If in a month or so you feel like explaining you like you will let us know, won't you? said Ron irritably. All right, said Hermione coldly. What we need to do is to get inside the Slytherin common room and ask Malfoy a few questions without him realizing it's us. But that's impossible, said Harry, as Ron laughed. No, it's not, said Her Hermione. All we need would be some apologies potion. What's that? said Ron and Harry together. 
Snape mentioned it in the class a few weeks ago. Do you think we've get nothing, got nothing better to do in potions than listen to Snape? Muttered Ron. If it transforms you into somebody else, think about it. We could change into three of the Slytherins. No one would know if it's us. Malfoy would probably tell us anything. He's probably boasting about in in the Slytherin common room right now. If only we could hear him. The apologies stuff sounds a bit dodgy to me, said Ron, frowning. What if we were stuck looking like, like three of Slytherins forever? It wears off while, after a while, said Hermione, waving her hand impatiently. But getting hold of the recipe we, will be very difficult. Snape said it was in a book called Mosty Potente Potions, and it's bound to be in restricted, uh, restricted section of the library. There was only one way to get out a book from the restricted section. You needed a signed note of permission from a teacher. Hard to see why we'd want a book, really, said Ron, if we weren't going to try and make one of the potions. I think, said Hermione, that if we made it sound as though we were just interested in the theory, we might stand a chance. Oh, come on, no teacher's going to fall for that, said Ron. They'd have to be really thick. Okay, everybody, this chapter is finished and we are going to start our next chapter, chapter 10, in our next uh, podcast. Till then, thank you for listening. Bye-bye.